Well, it is a true honor to be here. Um, when Pastor Ken texted me this week and said he wouldn't be here, I was like, why are you not going to be here? But then I, the next response to him was like, well, thank you for trusting me with your, your opportunity to speak. So I don't take it lightly. Um, part of what I do is help resource and develop children's ministries across our 300 churches uh, in the Assemblies of God in the state of Ohio. Um, Kids Camp is my responsibility as well as other events um, likewise. And so, um, you know, I have this opportunity to to go to churches, big, little, medium, extra big, all the things. Country, city, suburban, rich, poor, all the things. But you know what? One thing that um, the most important part that I want to say to you in all of that is that you're part of something bigger than yourself. The kingdom of God is expanding all across the state of Ohio. There are people in our state that are coming to know Jesus in powerful ways because of churches like this one that sit in communities where they believe and invest. And so you're part of something bigger than yourself. And why is that important? Because sometimes... We can think, well, I just go to church, I just do these things, I just do these like little things. And and sometimes uh, that can trap us in a mindset that says, is it really important that I even invest in my church? Eh, probably not. It is, though. And what you do and how you invest, how you give beyond what you think you can give, how how you believe, how you attend is actually very important. Um, Because it sends a message to the people that are around you that, you actually live what you say you believe. And so I just challenge you again with that um, and remind you of that. So um, literally a month ago, I was in Kenya, and um, the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God in Kenya, he, uh, we were leading a conference, and so he gets up on the stage and he says to the church leaders that were there, hey, so um, in his broken English, but English nonetheless, he says, so... Uh, the population of Kenya is 63% under the age of 18. So if your church doesn't reflect that, then you're doing something wrong. And then he turned, and he put the microphone down and walked off the stage. And everyone was like, wow, that was like a super mic drop moment, right? Like, he just laid it out there. There was no, there was no guessing what he intended to say, right? He said what he meant, and he meant what he said. And so I just want to say this to you guys um, 18% of the, the population of Ohio is under the age of 18. Um, it's roughly over 2 million people. There are 15,000 kids in the foster care system. 3,000 of them, 3,000 additional ones are up for adoption right now with no adoptive parent eligible. And so I say all of those things to say we all have work to do, every last one of us. If you can't do it, fund it. If you can't fund it, do it. If you can't do either of those two, you better pray, okay? Like, prayer is what's going to change things, and prayer is what's going to be the thing that supports it. And so I just challenge you in that way. Um, I get to challenge a lot of church leaders and, and support a lot of really good things, and so I just, I just want to say that to you guys. Um, just from my heart to yours, um, it's not quite been two years that I've been gone from here, but this is still home, so uh, consider this a family chat. Uh, only I can say things a little bolder because... I don't work here. Uh, <laughs> although, uh, yeah, so I won't go down that rabbit trail. Uh, also, October is the made-up holiday of Pastor Appreciation Month, but um, I just want to say to you guys to challenge you to make that not a made-up holiday, okay? Uh, the pastors of your church work hard. 
They work really hard. And it's easy to think, well, I only see Sundays, and so they must only work on Sundays or Tuesdays or whatever. Uh, they work hard. And you'll never know the prayers that they pray, the things that they agonize over for, on your behalf. Um, so if Pastor Ken was here, I would say to him that I honor him and I respect him. And I say that to you, Aaron, Pastor Aaron that I honor and respect you and believe in what you are investing in and not just the next generation because this generation is now. And Julie, I know that you don't have pastor in front of your name yet, um, but you work hard and you believe in this generation as well and you fight for them. And so thank you for all that you do. Um, and then, yes. Hey, uh, and I'll go to my notes and talk about what we're going to talk about in a minute. But um, if you're not serving somewhere, serve somewhere. Do something. Just, just saying. Okay. I'll go back to my notes now. You're like, thank goodness. Um, oh, but one more thing. So, uh, uh, yeah. So we're going to talk about interruption, so I just interrupted my own thought pattern. Hey, but uh, I have actually stood in the warehouse where the meals that are packed uh, go out in Haiti, and it's real. Uh, it's a real ministry that's helping real kids know a real Jesus, and so thank you on behalf of kids that will never sit in your church, um, but it's real, and it really is impacting their lives, so it, it does make a difference. All right, so today we're going to talk about being interrupted. Everyone's favorite thing, interruption in life. We teach kids to be kind and proper, right? And don't interrupt. If you need to interrupt, put your hand on my arm. That's, you know that. But, you know, we've got good interruptions and we've got bad interruptions. I don't have my front row crew here to help me with this. So you're going to have to just help me with this, okay? All right? Um, I'm looking for my... Who's going to do the joke with me? All right, so somebody better just do it with me. All right. So there's a classic knock-knock joke among ki amongst kids, right? Knock-knock. Interrupting cow. Interrupting cow. You're supposed to interrupt me. That's the joke of it. That's the pun. But there weren't teenagers on the front row like first service to interrupt me and it work. So the pun of it is that the kids interrupt you before you're able to say it, and it's interrupting Cal. Okay? So now I caught you up. So if later on a kid says interrupting Cal to you, just know they're about to interrupt you, okay? And sometimes kids even moo at that. But I'm so proud of you. You've, learned, you've already learned something new today. You've already learned a way to be cool. But check out this video. This, these are some of the other funny interruptions in life. Half we got away from us. Daddy. Um, Chris. Uh Carl, sorry, over here. But uh, I think what we can do is continue to, continue to look and see what we did and just uh, come out with that same defensive intensity that we did in game one. That's why we won that game, and we got it. What's your feeling? We got to take a week. Okay. Take a, you know, a week off to get ready. And Was there much celebrating going on? Moment. And, uh, I feel blessed. You wanted to say that. <laughs> it was um, it was special because. Wait, hold on. All right, listen. No got away from us. It's funny that he thought taking the microphone away was going to work, um, right? Chris, uh, have you ever met a child? Doesn't work. Uh, 
Those are some funny interruptions, right? Silly interruptions in our life are that you, you got coffee on your shirt on the way to church and now you just have to wear your coffee shirt. Have you ever gone to work with two different shoes on? Because I have. All right, so good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. Uh, that's an interruption to my life, but it's not detrimental. It's just an interruption. You get to church and realize a kid didn't brush their teeth and you're like, well, okay, chalk that one up. Oh, well, you know, whatever. But then there are some major interruptions in life. There are major, major ones. There are things like job loss. There are things like job change. There are things that happen that we didn't expect to have come our way. Interruptions are real, and they're part of our everyday life. They happen often. I'd submit to you this, that we have so many interruptions happen in our lives that we don't even realize them. This week, I had an interruption in my life. And it might seem like a silly thing, but it actually was a really big deal. So I'm walking past my bookshelf, and I put my eyes on this book. This book, I read it whenever I think I was a freshman in high school. I have no idea where it came from. Like, I don't know if someone gave it to me. I don't know if I said, can I have that? Like, I, I legitimately don't know. Um, but I haven't looked at this book other than moving it from office to office in the last 20 years, probably at least 20 years. But this week, I walked past my bookshelf and my eye caught it and it was like the Holy Spirit reminded me like that book was a shift in your life. This book is called Children of Revival. It came out during the time of the Brownsville Revival back in the, the late 90s. But the reason this book caught my life was because I had already known that God had called me to do something pretty major. He called me to ministry whenever I was in seventh grade. And I, but I didn't have context for what that meant other than just saying yes to Jesus. Like I understood that there was this thing called kids ministry, but I, we had a kids pastor at my church, but I didn't understand that there was like a whole thing to it until I got my hands on this book and I read things like just a children's minister. And I was like, oh, like injustice in quotes and things like um, the children still lead. And a whole chapter about children leading movements of people, hundreds of people to come to know Jesus. And my life was captivated by this book because I then, my response to this book was, oh, I'll say yes, Jesus. Whatever it is, I'll say yes to it. And that has shifted my life in so many ways. My life was interrupted all those years ago because God used some words in a book to help me. My life was interrupted this week by this book to remember, oh, that's what it was like. Remember? Remember that moment? Think about your life and the interruptions in your life. Those moments where you have been propelled to do something different. I'm not talking about the coffee on your shirt, because obviously, you know, you get that coffee stain out and hope for the best, right? I'm talking about the big things. The place where Jesus could be meeting you. The place where he could be like, I'm right here. I'm right here right here. I want to tell you something that my life has been interrupted by Jesus this year. And you're like, great, glad you're an ordained pastor standing in front of us saying that your life has been interrupted by Jesus. I literally have a degree in Bible. I should have more of that understanding. Here's how my life was interrupted by Jesus this year. I started listening to a podcast that's literally called Let's Read the Gospels, where they literally just read the Gospels. It's an author, and she reads the Gospels. And so over the course of a month, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the Gospels, the stories of Jesus and his life and his ministry, right? Different translations, different methods, chronological, all these different things. And over the last nine months, I've, almost, I've listened almost every day. I have 
understood who Jesus is in a different kind of way than I've ever understood who Jesus is. Why is that incredible? Because Jesus is infinite and all-powerful, so I can continue to learn about who he is. You don't just arrive. You don't just go, okay, I know enough about Jesus. I can brush that one off and put that one on the shelf. That's not how that goes. You learn more and more. There's an understanding of who Jesus is, what he does, his character, his nature, and it applies to different times in your life. So for me, my life was interrupted by hearing all of these stories and going, oh, that's the character and the nature of who Jesus is. The word of God holds true. I can trust everything that it says because it really happened. And just because those were the accounts of Jesus, they apply in my life now too. Your life can be changed when your typical is interrupted. My typical way of studying the Bible and, and doing devotions and stuff was not typically that. But now 11 to 13 minutes a day, I'm hearing the gospel of different translations and going, Oh, yeah, Jesus, that's who you are. And it changes everything. So I would ask you today, and I would say this. Jesus is both the interrupter of your life and the interruption. All throughout history, in the Bible, in the, in the Gospels, and then what we see even in church history, is that Jesus is the interrupter and the interruption. He's the one that came alongside of people in the miracles that we have documented in the word of God as the interruption to their normal. He's the interruption to the things that you cannot otherwise fix yourself. And I would say to you today, perhaps the Holy Spirit is interrupting even your life right now. You're at a place where you're like, I, I'm at the fork in the road. And if you're at the fork in the road, let him interrupt and say, go this way, right? If you're, at the, if you're at a place of interruption in your life where you're like, I just don't know what else to do, the great interrupter is here to say, I'm right here. And it's not because of my own human words, but it's by the words that come from the word of God. So today we're gonna look at a few of these interruptions of Jesus, where he was both the interrupter and the interruption and I would ask you to take notice. What is it that he could be doing in you right now? I would ask you to sit with that uncomfortable statement in some ways. What is it that he could be doing in you right now? All right, we're going to go to John chapter 5. We're going to look at verses 1 through 15. So John chapter 5 says this. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the sheep gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? If I was there in Bible times, I'd be like, of course he wants to get well. He laid there for 38 years. He says, I can't, sir. The sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. Jesus told him, stand up, pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders objected. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath. The law does not allow you to carry that sleeping mat. But he replied, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. 
Who said such a thing as that? They demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now you are well, so stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. Listen, life was so difficult for this man that he didn't even realize that life was so difficult for this man. Like he didn't even know how hard life was for him. It doesn't say that per se, but can you imagine being at that pool with a bunch of people that are just hoping for a chance of healing and they've laid there for years and years? Can you imagine what the conversation would be like? Yeah, this stinks again. Another day, right? Another day. It'd be great if something could happen in my life. It would be great. Can you just imagine? I can imagine that desolation and despair are the name of the game. I can imagine that complaints are what happens in that moment, right? Can you imagine that? I can't imagine they're sitting around being like, wow, I'm so glad that I'm paralyzed and I'm just sitting here. Like, I don't mean that flippantly, but that's true, right? Like, these are the parts that you look at and go, hmm, okay, there's something about that. So when he says to Jesus, I can't, sir, it probably was genuine. He probably had been so stuck down in, in his own mind and, and what he thought that it probably was genuine. He probably legitimately was like, I can't. I don't know who you are, but I can't. Right? Have you ever been like that in your life where something is going on and you're like, I can't. Can't. I So, you know, it's fine. I can't. And even if Jesus himself appeared to you, you'd be like, are you sure? Right? We all have interruptions in life. We all have diff, diff, discomfort, difficulties in life where we go, I'm not sure I can see past that. I'm not sure I can do that. Jesus didn't wait to be recognized. He just went ahead and healed him. Perhaps in your life, Jesus isn't waiting to be recognized in the interruption, but he's already at work. Perhaps he's not waiting for you. He wants you to recognize him. But he's already at work. And even in this moment right now, he could be nudging your heart. Jesus changed everything in that moment. Think of it figuratively for you. What's the pool of healing that you need to jump into? Whether you think like, oh, well, if I could just this, then this would happen and I could jump into the pool of healing, right? Like if I could just X, Y, Z that way, then I could do this. What's the difficulty for you? Listen, we're not minimizing the difficulty. We live in a fallen world. We live in an evil world. We live in a hard world. We live in a world where difficulty is and will be. Don't minimize that. But there is an opportunity to look at the difficulty and say, do I live there or do I live in the interruption of Jesus, allowing him to come in and take place in this? Could this moment right now be the interruption of Jesus in your life? We're going to look at the book of Mark. Chapter 14, verses 1 through 9. Mark 14, 1 through 9. It says this, It was now two days before Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or people may riot. They're like, oh, we're not going to ruffle feathers too much, just enough, right? Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, a man who previously had leprosy. He previously had leprosy because Jesus had healed him. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard. 
She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over his head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. Everyone wants to say you shouldn't do something because what about the poor? And yes, we should absolutely. That's Jesus' command. But in this moment, they were using that as an excuse. But Jesus replied in verse 6. Leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You will always have the poor among you, and you will always help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could, and she anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Whatever the good news, whenever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. Jesus was again minding his own business. Now, he was about the business of his father, so this actually was what he was doing. But he's minding his own business. Remember, because Jesus is all-powerful and knowing, Jesus, when he walked on the earth, is fully God, fully man, right? And so he's powerfully living in both of these contexts. The woman knew what she was doing. She knew what she was doing. She knew that there was value to what she was doing because she defied the cultural norms of even approaching Jesus as a woman and also what we can learn throughout theology and historians and all those people agree, they agree at least on this one part, is that she had been forgiven much. And because she had been forgiven much, she fully knew what she was doing. She fully knew that she had to get to the feet of Jesus. She had to do something because she was needing to allow her worship and her life to, pray, to play out. Jesus takes this moment of interruption where all of these leaders could have said like, and they did, what is she doing? He takes this moment of interruption and he calls it good. What moment of interruption of worship do you need to take place with God? What, what moment do you need to worship Jesus in the midst of the difficulty of life? They were so mad about this interruption they failed to see what was good that was happening in that woman. Jesus is at work in this woman's life and had been at work already. So what about for you? Can you put yourself in the, in the spot of this, this woman who had been forgiven much? Can you put yourself in that spot of the place where you can go, I've been forgiven much? And because I've been forgiven much, I recognize that there are some things I need to pour out before Jesus. I need to interrupt the patterns of my own life and allow those to be patterns of worship. Maybe you, this week even, you need to interrupt the pattern of your own life where you're doing great things. No doubt you're doing great things with your time. But maybe taking some of those times and interrupting and allowing the intersection of, of that worship to say, you know what, just like that woman poured out her life before Jesus, I'm going to pour out my life before Jesus. I'm going to interrupt the pattern of my own life, the pattern of my own thinking, and recognize that Jesus is worthy of my praise, of my worship. Let's look at one more encounter that Jesus had, and this is from the book of John. So John chapter 20. Jesus died, is resurrected, appears, right? And this is where we find ourselves. John chapter 20, verse 19. 
That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Talk about an interruption, right? Talk about an interruption. Like, I, I think for us sometimes it's commonplace for us to read this and move on because we know the rest of the story. We know the rest of the story, right? But they were afraid, they were hiding, and Jesus appears. Like, that's a big deal. It's a big deal. He interrupts their fear, and he interrupts their fear by saying, peace be with you. I love that Jesus says, peace be with you. You know, it gives me this confident assurance like, oh, he changed everything in that moment. <coughs> Sorry. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hand and his side, and they were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Verse 21, again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Listen, Jesus pulled the ultimate interruption for all of mankind by coming back to life. Plot twist, right? But he didn't just stay there. He didn't just come back to life and go back to heaven and go, they'll figure it out. I'm so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that he said, he appeared to them, he breathed on them, gave them the Holy Spirit, says to them that they'll be forgiven, gives them the peace of who he is, right? Because this launches the early church, the church that we now today are benefiting from. We benefit from what Jesus did in that interruption now. Now, our church looks obviously different than the early church would have looked. I get it. Things have happened over time. However, what we know to be true is that Jesus, his, the same message then is the same message now. That he has come to set people free and to forgive them. Let me ask you this. How many of you are waiting in a season that you would just hope that Jesus would hurry up? You don't have to answer this really. Like, out loud. Uh, I have to give that preface because kids' ministry. In a season that you would hope that Jesus would just hurry up and interrupt. You're like, Jesus, do you not see me laying here by this pool of Bethesda? Jesus, do you not see the worship I'm pouring out to you despite the fact that my life is hard? Jesus, do you not see me? Jesus, you do these, you interrupt all these other situations for all these other people. What about me? What about me? Those are human emotions, right? Humanity is humanity. But Jesus comes along and he says, you know, in that healing that you haven't seen yet, in that restored relationship maybe you haven't seen yet, that shift that you're asking for in your life that you haven't seen yet, I'm still there. Because the nature of who Jesus is, is the interrupter. And in, this, in these verses that we read today, I don't think they woke up that morning and were like, wow, Jesus is going to appear to us in a locked room when we're hiding. And I don't mean it flippantly. I mean that seriously. Because they never knew. They never knew what was going to happen. So there are three things that we're going to talk about today, very quickly practical things of what do you do 
in your life when there are interruptions that you didn't expect and you're waiting for Jesus to come through. Okay? So in the interruptions of life, the first thing that I'm going to challenge you to do is to get honest. Seems, seems so, so easy, but we forget. The man at the pool said, I can't get well. And you know what? He probably actually believed that. He probably actually believed that there was no hope. So the place where you believe that there's no hope right now, would you just feel the Holy Spirit nudge you and say, can you get well? He could be offering it to you, even in that moment. You know, we don't know the times that he tried and he failed, tried to get in the pool, right? He tried to get to that healing. He tried to get to that place and he failed. And so the failure kept him bound. The failure kept him bound. And it wasn't until he was honest with Jesus. So what is it in your life that you need to be honest with Jesus about? What is it that you need to just face the facts of? Hey, this is hard. Hey, my actions caused me to be in this place. Because that's honesty too. Sometimes, ooh, okay, I'm just going to say it. Sometimes we're in a spot in life because of the result of our own actions. And we want to say, God, why have you forsaken me? And God's like, you did it to yourself. I never left, you dummy. I don't think Jesus calls us dummies. I shouldn't have said that. But I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes I feel like the, the Lord's like, well, if you would have just done what I told you to do, you know what I'm saying? Like, just do what I told you to do. I told you not to be friends with that person. I made it plain as day, and yet you did that. And now you're, you want to say, why am I in such a difficult scenario? Well, you should have listened the first time. And he's gracious, and he's faithful, and he's kind, and he's loving. And it leads us to repentance to get us back to the place of going, oh, I heard you now, and I won't do that again. Yeah. But get honest with God. Get honest with Jesus in the interruptions of life. Hiding yourself from Jesus doesn't actually work, in case if you didn't know that. Let that be revelation knowledge to you today. Hiding from Jesus doesn't actually work. Psalm 139, 23, and 24. I love this verse, but I don't like this verse at the same time. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me. And we often want to stop there, right? We want to pray and say, search me, know me, test me. Here's the thing. And then it goes on to say, and know my anxious thoughts, which means that I have to be willing to give those to Jesus. I have to be willing to say, I have these things. I have these understandings of who you are that are not correct. Jesus, I don't understand who you are and I need to know who you are. I think part of the reason why we get honest with God, why we get honest with Jesus and he interrupts those things is because we can finally say, oh, I saw him now. Because we're not blindsided by our own junk. Get honest with Jesus. Get honest with others. Maybe you need to find your community, a life group, where you can talk to a life group leader and, or people in your life group and say, hey, guess what? I've been distracted and I'm getting honest about it. Maybe you need to have a conversation with one of the pastors this week that just says something like, hey, guess what? I'm going to fully own that I've been playing church and I'm not going to do that anymore. Maybe you need to get honest with yourself and say, hey, the whole reason that I can't give 
to missions, things that I want to give to is because I spend so much money doing stupid stuff like buying games on the iTunes store. I don't know what it is, and I'm not calling anybody out because I literally don't know if that's your story or not. But what I'm saying is there's always cause and effect, so get honest. Get honest about it. But don't just get honest with yourself. Get honest with Jesus. The second thing is to do something. Right? The woman who came and anointed Jesus, she did something. She did a big something. She did a really big thing. Pain will come. Difficulty will come. We all know that to be true. You know, in Mark chapter 5, it tells us about the woman with the issue of blood. She pushed through a crowd of people to get to Jesus. She needed to do something. She had to get to Jesus. And she was going to get to Jesus. How is your perseverance, my friends? Are you going to get to Jesus when the difficulty comes? Are you going to get to him? Are you going to practice the faith muscle that you might have? Maybe you don't have. Maybe you're like, I don't understand any of this. I don't understand the faithfulness of God. Guess what? It's a great time to learn then. But you got to practice it. The devil will try to push you to give up and push you to get pushed back and push you to let go and push you to cause you to not remember or not do anything. He'll push you. You know this as well as I do, and I'm preaching to the crowd because you're in the crowd right now. He'll push you to say, I don't need to go to church. I don't need that. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to engage with my Bible. I don't need to figure out who Jesus is. You don't need to do those things. The enemy of your soul will try to do that to you. Why? Because if you're not doing anything, you're easy bait. You are. And when you're easy bait, he can interrupt your life so easily with everything else. Everything else becomes more important. So do something and push that something to Jesus. The, take another step towards Jesus. Take another step towards Jesus. Do something that pushes you towards him. Maybe you need to worship. Maybe you need to, I don't know. I don't know what you need to do. You do, though. I can almost guarantee you in this moment, if I were to take a poll of you, at least half of you would be like, yep, I know what I need to do. I'm not going to do that. I feel like I want to because it'll prove my point. But I'm not going to do that to you because the Holy Spirit's actually the convictor, not my words. Psalm 910. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. Searching is active. Searching is starting over and over and over again. Searching is a constant pursuit. Exercising your faith muscles is a constant activity. Seeing the faithfulness of God is a constant activity. Knowing who he is is constant. So if you fall backwards, get back up. Today, if you're down and out, get up. Take up your mat and walk. And the last thing in the interruptions of life, see Jesus at work. The disciples found themselves seeing Jesus face to face while they were hiding. When they saw Jesus, it changed everything. And when you see Jesus, it will change everything too. When you see Jesus at work and you see that person that you never thought could be saved, saved, you'll see him at work more often. 
When you see Jesus at work and you see his faithfulness whenever you didn't know what to do, when you see Jesus at work and you see that you are being led by the Holy Spirit and people are coming into your life and you're able to have these conversations that you didn't otherwise see, when you see Jesus at work and you see people and scenarios changing that you didn't think could change or shift, when you see Jesus at work, when you recall his faithfulness, when you say things like it says in the word of God, right, yet this I call to mind, yet this I call to mind, I... It's an active thing. I see Jesus at work. When I'm with, at camp or on other things, I always challenge our student leaders, so like our teenager crew, what's your God sighting for the day? So what do, you, what do you see Jesus at work doing today? What do you see him doing at work today? And you know what? Sometimes they say silly things like, I got a double scoop of ice cream instead of the singular one. But you know what? I don't even care because... They're at least looking for where God's at work in their life. And if you can look for where Jesus is at work in your life every single day, it'll change you. And for goodness sakes, tell the kids that live in your house about how Jesus is at work in your life. Tell the kids in your neighborhood. Tell the kids that are your grandkids or your nephews or whoever's. Tell them who Jesus is and what he's done in your life. Do you know that Gen Z is the generation that's teenagers right now and Gen Alpha coming behind them? They're the greatest storytelling generation that they project to ever be. You know why? Because their stories matter and they care about what people think. So please tell them what, what Jesus thinks about them and what Jesus is doing in your life. Tell them, I saw Jesus at work today because I didn't want to do this. And I did it anyway. So that meant that Jesus gave me the strength. Hey, I saw Jesus at work today in my life because I got a project dumped on me at work that I preferred not to have. You ever been there? I have been. Right? Not when I worked here, okay? All right. Let me clear that up. Pastor kid. Uh, okay. But when Jesus comes in, he interrupts us, and we can see him at work. One quick story for you, and then I'm going to get ready to close. Uh, a month ago, like I said, I was in Kenya. Uh, stood in a village called Gilgil, almost in Tanzania. We were in the back country. A giraffe literally crossed the road, like literal giraffe crossed the road. So we're in the bush. And um, there's a water well there now. It got installed a couple months ago. And that water well was paid for by Speed the Light, which is students, is the missions giving arm for students. So Speed the Light. And so $50,000 for a water well. This well has been producing more, more clean water than they ever expected. Um, in fact, to the point where the church has invested money and they put in their own like tower that they're going to put water tanks in that will then eventually be able to go out to the two village communities next to them. Church did that. Students in, Ohio, in, in America raised $50,000 to put the well in. Well, then that is also now putting drip irrigation in a garden, two acres garden next to it. It's yielded its second crop already, thriving and the kids in the schools around the village are coming and eating from that garden, therefore doing better in school. The garden cost $7,000 to put in, the drip irrigation. Kids in, in Ohio in the next month are raising money for drip irrigation gardens because water's the gateway 
to being able to help these communities. This is real life. But the reason I'm telling you this story is after we had this singing and dancing celebration, we get in the car and we're like, where's Michelle? Like one of our other team members, she's a direct, she does my job in Texas. And uh, she's talking to somebody who said that her grandfather in 1975 when the Hut Church was started had a vision and believed that he would see the day and prayed for the day that clean water would be on the property in 1975. 2023 clean water came to that property and has been blowing up. And he's elderly now, but she said every day he gets up and he sobs before the Lord and says, thank you for letting me see it in my lifetime. Thank you for letting me see it in my lifetime. And after she tells us this story, we were just kind of like quiet for like five minutes in the van because we were just like, I have no faith compared to that. And it was like this moment in time where I was like, oh God, that I would have the kind of faith that I could believe that you're so at work that all those years later, that students that live, that teenagers that live in America would raise $50,000 to put a water well in a place that they can't even find on a map because we couldn't find it on a map, even though I had 5G cell service, very odd, but it doesn't matter, right? This happened And that man still knows. He sees Jesus at work and he tells everybody. And the reason those two villages next to them are going to be reached with the gospel is yes, because of clean water, but also because there was a man that saw it for years before. So what do you see? Where do you see Jesus at work? Where do you need to see Jesus at work? Where has your faith been small? Where can it become bigger? Where can you look through and say, you know what? I see that Jesus did that, and I'm going to keep going. Where are you holding on to Jesus that you say, hey, Jesus, in full honesty, full transparency, I'm going to do something, but I need you to intervene. I need you to interrupt here. A.W. Tozer wrote it like this. I rarely know where I'm going in my life's journey, but I look back and I see that God has been leading my every step, and I didn't know it. Because he's faithful. As we get ready to close, let me read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 18 to 23, as we close. It says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. Journey Church, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be open, that you would know the hope that he has called you to. That riches of the glorious inheritance in his holy people and that his incomparably great power for you who believe. That the power is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule, all authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet. God has placed all things under your feet as well, because the word of God says that what he did, you will do greater. Look it up. You'll find it. 
and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So will you see Jesus today in a positive way as the interrupter? Will you get honest? Man, will you get honest? Grit honest. Will you do something about it? Will you see Jesus at work? Because I actually don't care if this was a good sermon. I care that you see Jesus at work. I don't care if this was the worst sermon you've ever heard. Feel free to not tell me. But I don't care. I don't care. What I do care about is that if you know Jesus or not. Because that's what matters. So would you close your eyes with me? If you're here and you say, I'm actually at an interruption moment in my life. I haven't been following Jesus, but I want to know Jesus. I want him to forgive my sins. I have gone against his perfect will. I've done things that, and I continue to do things that are not of, that he's asked me to do. And I need to get it right with him. I want him to be the forgiver of my sins and the leader of my life. If you're in the room, if you're online and that is you, would you just raise your hand with me? I just want to pray with you right now. I'm not going to do anything super weird other than pray. Um, if you're here and you want to, to you, you just acknowledge your need for a savior in this room right now, would you just raise your hand? Yep, thank you. If you raise your hand or if you're watching online, it's simple as this. Pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, I have done the wrong things and I continue to do the wrong things. But I recognize the interruption in my life right now and I acknowledge you. I ask you to forgive me those sins. I ask you to be the leader and the Lord of my life. I ask you to be the one that I choose to follow every day of my life for all of my life. Jesus, I follow you. I believe in you. And if you've prayed that, if you said that to, to him, that's a pivot point. That's a moment in time. You've done something, the biggest something. You have interrupted your usual and let Jesus in. So I say to you, congratulations. Keep following him. If you're here and you say, you know what, Megan, like, life's interruptions are really strong for me right now, but I recognize that I need to see Jesus in it and I'm going to reset and I need, I'm going to do something and I'm being honest. And really, I just need somebody to pray with me right now. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I just want to pray with you out loud. If that's you, just raise your hand and say, I, I got some interruptions and I need the interrupter to come and help me with that. Thank you. Thank you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we need you. Come and help us. Interrupt our ordinary. Help us to see you. Help us to do something. Help me to do something. Help me to be honest with you. I believe in you. And I will lean into you. And I will learn about you. And I will grow in you. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name.
hey, if you're here and you made a decision to follow Jesus today, would you write that on that Connect card? Not because anybody wants to do anything weird, but the truth of the matter is, the honest moment is saying and doing at the same time. If you're here and the Holy Spirit has challenged you, would you do whatever he's challenged you to do? You say, I don't know, I don't hear the Holy Spirit. Then look around you, because he'll tell you. So thank you for this opportunity to get to be here with you. But here's the thing. Don't let your words, don't let the, walls, the, the words just fall into this place. Let them settle deep inside your heart. Let it be so in Jesus' name. Are those interruptions, they move us from one focus to another, right? Yeah, something that we think is important and God goes, nah, how about over here? So thank you for that, Pastor Megan. Let's stand this morning. We're going we're gonna to be heading out into your week. God knows what's in store for you, so may his face shine upon you. May you be blessed this week. May you see God at work, see God in your, in your day-to-day. I pray that you are anointed, that you are prepared, that you are battle-ready for what God has in store for you. Be blessed. We love you. See you next Sunday.